Tom Brady back to New England? Joey, that was a report from Jeff Howe of The Athletic, an NFL insider with deep ties to New England, suggesting that a reunion to the New England Patriots from Tom Brady was actually possible. What are your thoughts as a Patriots fan? I'm, I'm curious to think if you think this is something that could happen. I mean, you can never rule anything out, but highly doubtful that this actually happens. I mean, they invested, you know, first round draft pick into Mac Jones, and he's obviously been inconsistent and whatever. And his future with the team, who, who knows about that? But, you know, he signed through like 2024, obviously, with a fifth year option for 2025. So the Patriots have Mac Jones for at least two years, probably three years. Tom Brady, still old as dirt. You know, how much time does he actually have left to play? Maybe, you know, by a surprise it happens, but I, I highly, I highly doubt it. It's just obviously an opinion article, not nothing fact-based, but I definitely would expect Brady to not be on the Bucks after the end of this season. I mean, w- would you like to see this happen as a Patriots fan? I mean, it'd be cool. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily love it just because he's old and he's definitely not the future. And I think finding, you know, your starting quarterback of the future and letting him develop and running the offense through Mac Jones and just, you know, ultimately focus on him becoming the guy long term should be the priority for this team. And Tom Brady would just ruin that. But in the article, they said that if they signed Tom Brady or whatever, that they would potentially trade Mac Jones or just put him on the bench, which I guess, I guess that's cool. But I mean, if you could get benched for Bailey Zap, you could definitely get bon- uh, benched for Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen. It's on. Re- I'm putting it on record. It's it's definitely not going to happen. But it's cool to talk about. <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly a long shot. But you know, I could see it. I think there's some some logic there, right? It's kind of like a relationship. You know, Tom Brady goes to the Bucks. You know, starting a new relationship. Things go amazing at first. You know, he's he's really happy. But things start to go a little bit sideways. You start thinking about your ex a little bit. Kind of forget all the bad times. Just focus on the good times. And you know, maybe that's where Tom Brady's at. A lot of turbulence in his personal life, and he's just thinking about you know the good old days. I, I could see some interest there for sure. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 270 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to discuss week 13 from a DraftKings perspective, talk some slate specifics, outline the cash game lineup construction, tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to win a tournament. Joey, how you doing entering week 13? Doing well, doing well. Just uh, ready to uh, ready to break down this slate and should be a fun slate. We got a lot of potential injuries that, that could shake it up. So hopefully, you know, our takes are relevant come Sunday, which who knows? Maybe maybe they will. Maybe maybe they won't. But we're, we're still going to break it down nonetheless. Definitely make sure if you are out there playing DFS seriously, you tune into the Saturday night, late night live stream on YouTube. We will go over the slate in more detail with more solid information. But for the time being, 
Let's jump right in here, starting off with slate specifics from a Vegas perspective. 12-game main slate with eight games early, four games in the afternoon. Totals-wise, this is one of the best weeks we've had in quite some time. Three games with totals above 50. I mean, half the time we're struggling to find one game with a total above 50. We've got three on this slate. The top five implied team totals this week. Kansas City Chiefs, 27.25. Cleveland, 27. Jacksonville, 26.5. Los Angeles Chargers, 26. In San Francisco, Cincinnati tied for the five spot, 25.25. Also have Detroit and Philly at 25 each, only a quarter point outside of the top five sitting right in that mix as well. So in general, this looks like a week with an absolute ton of scoring potential. Joey, what's your initial read on this slate from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be one game or a few games, I should say that a majority of the field will gravitate towards. I mean, you have the premier game in the Bengals, Chiefs, two of the highest supply team totals on the slate. That's going to be a very popular game. And then you have games like the Lions, Jags, Raiders, Chargers. Then you have Deshaun Watson returning. Uh, We'll talk about that here shortly. And they have you know, the second highest implied team total on the slate. So there's a lot of good spots on the slate and a, a lot of games and a lot of teams to target, in my opinion. Yeah, as well as some secondary games that I think look interesting. 49ers at Dolphins with a 46 and a half total seems really low to me. Eagles, Tennessee has a lot of potential. Minnesota, New York. I mean, there's a lot of interesting games on this slate as we will get into here, starting off with the quarterback position in cash games. I mean, I really think that you're choosing between Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Trevor is 5,900 coming off of his best NFL career game, heads to Ford Field, the Coors Field of the NFL. Absolute stone cold smash spot for Trevor. Joe Burrow at 6,900, $1,000 more going up against the Chiefs, getting Jamar Chase back most most likely. I don't know if you have a lean between these two guys, but in my opinion, these are really the two players that you're choosing between in cash games this week. Yeah, I mean, Trevor is definitely interesting at 5.9. He's cheap and one of the best spots on the slate. Obviously, one of the highest total games on the slate. Jacks have a 26 and a half implied team total. So everything looks very, very good for Trevor coming off of his best game of his career in terms of fantasy point output. 28.94 DK points. Hit the 300 yard bonus for the second second time all year so obviously a great spot I think he's a good play but I still think that like this Jags offense I don't I don't want to trust it you know yet I want to continue seeing them put up good games and put up points and Trevor Lawrence has obviously shown flashes but I still think a ceiling ceiling is relatively low but I mean 20 points is definitely in the range here for sure and you know if we played Geno Smith and Cash last week or at least I did probably playing Trevor Lawrence and cash as well you know in a better spot similar talent so joe burrow 6900 i personally wouldn't go there um that that range of quarterback is just a range where it doesn't make the lineup work you know you either pay up to the elite ceiling guys that can separate which i mean joe burrow can for sure but he's 6900 just the range of quarterback that is always dicey always goes under own but i mean great spot for sure Definitely a great spot. Also with Trevor worth noting, this line has moved a ton. I mean, yesterday I did a video on prize picks talking about Trevor Lawrence. The Jags were two point underdogs in that spot. They're now one and a half point favorites. So that's like a three and a half point line shift in favor of the Jags. Vegas seems to like Trevor here. I like Trevor here. I think it's a really good spot. The X factor on this slate, Joey, let's talk about it. The return of Deshaun Watson. The NFL set this up for the perfect soap opera drama scenario 
gets to go to Houston, play in front of an audience that, you know, relentlessly cheered him on for many years in the revenge game of all revenge games. You know, sometimes we talk about revenge games, players playing their former teams, and we call it a revenge game. It may not necessarily always be revenge. Like, you know, Jamal Williams playing the Packers, we call it a revenge game. It's not a revenge game. Like, he has a great relationship with those guys. He loves those guys. Okay. Deshaun Watson. No, this is a revenge game. There is so much animosity here built up. Houston did everything they could to torch Deshaun Watson on his way out the door. 6,500, very affordable price tag. Hasn't played in a year and a half. There is an incredibly wide range of outcomes, I think, in this spot. Vegas has Cleveland with the second highest implied team total on the week. Obviously, they trust the Browns offense in this spot with Watson in his first game back. What is your initial read on this spot? How do you think Deshaun Watson comes out of his suspension in game one? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously hard to gauge because it's been like two years since he's played in an NFL regular season game. He played in the preseason earlier this year, only a few snaps. Didn't look great, but the Browns didn't look great as a team around him and you know this is definitely going to be one of if not the the best team that he's been a part of you know outside of maybe a d-hop will fuller year you know he's got amari cooper nick chubb cream hunt uh david njoku but he's dealing with an injury so we'll see about that dpj david bell as you know maybe a long shot play this week for the browns as their wide receiver three so he's got weapons and i mean clear cut this is a revenge game there's no doubt about it you know the nfl knew what they were doing when they made his suspension and you know looked at the schedule right why only suspend him 11 games <laughs> Why not make it 12? 12 has been a suspension number before. Why 11? Because they want this. They just want Deshaun Watson to go there and absolutely annihilate the Texans. And who knows? Maybe he does. You know? I could see it. What about this story that the uh, accusers will be in attendance in a press box, uh, courtesy of the lawyer that represents them? think that's a factor here i mean a factor for who for, for deshaun for, watson and his performance yeah for watson and his, and his mental state i don't know i don't think it impacts watson clear smash spot going up against his former team just absolutely 100 a revenge game no other way to slice it and i mean he's definitely in play i mean deshaun watson when healthy is one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the nfl he has a good supporting cast he's 6500 and he's going to go nuclear I, I tend to agree i think watson comes out and smashes in this spot and i don't think that his ownership will be too too high he'll probably have you know some ownership this is obviously isn't a sneaky spot everybody knows about it but you know there are a lot of good quarterback plays i don't know how he'll project i think there's so much uncertainty that most of the projections will just have him you know relatively with base expectations in line so we'll see how deshaun watson looks in terms of ownership we'll touch on that a lot more on Sunday, but certainly, certainly an interesting tournament play. I don't think that you consider him in cash with, you know, Burrow only 400 more and, and the ability to save 600 and go down to Trevor in an equally, if not better spot. Anybody else that you would consider for cash games this week or or is that about it? No, nah, I mean, that that's about it. I mean, I think this is a relatively easy quarterback pool this week for cash. I mean, you're probably playing Trevor, but if you're not, it most likely is Burrow or, you know, paying up to like Hertz or, or something like that. But I, I would I would suspect 
a majority of the field is just going to either play Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow in cash this week. Makes a lot of sense. The running back position this week, very much up in the air at this point. A lot of injuries will determine the directions I think we go in cash games. There are value plays currently on the board, but really the the, t- the high end is what stands out to me. I mean, the top tier elite running backs are all in great spots. Josh Jacobs coming off of a 50-burger on DraftKings 7,900 at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. You couldn't draw up a better spot for him, but he is dealing with a calf strain. Initial reports are that he'll probably be extremely limited throughout the week in practice. We'll see on that later in the week. I think that he would probably be the best play, if not one of the best plays right in that same game with Austin Eckler at 8,500 coming off of a 15-target game. Just an unreal workload for Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb against the Texans, obvious smash spot at 8K. So, I mean, this top tier is completely loaded this week on DraftKings. Yeah, I think this top tier will definitely have a lot of ownership, especially with the lack of value that we have on the slate. You know, last week we have the best running back slate of like all time on DK. Now we we, we kind of go back to scrounging for value at the running back position. So I, I think a lot of these guys at the top will have ownership. Obviously, Josh Jacobs will most likely be a game time decision once again. And that's something we'll have to talk about on Saturday, because obviously if he's out, that would open up like Zamir White potentially at 4K. But we don't have to talk about that right now just because we don't have that official news. But nonetheless, he's still a good play. Austin Eckler, I mean, not much needs to be said about Eckler. 8,500, he's in a smash spot as well. So those would be my two favorite at the top, Eckler, Josh Jacobs. But, you know, we talked about Deshaun Watson and and how, you know, he's got revenge. I mean, this could easily be a Nick Chubb spot. This could easily be a 102 tutty game for Nick Chubb. Uh, And he's 8K, and I definitely love Chubb this week. Henry, obviously still a very good play. So I think you're probably playing one of these top running backs in cash for sure. Definitely agree with that 100%. Hard to play Chubb on DraftKings in cash, but he is in such a good spot. Absolutely love him this week and love the early prop lines for him. 90 and a half on prize picks is an absolute stone cold smash. But sticking with DraftKings here in the mid range, there are some interesting options as well. I look at Kenneth Walker at 7K. That looks pretty good. Aaron Jones, 6,900 in a pretty good spot, had a really solid floor over the past few weeks. Only one game in his last six under 14 DraftKings points with three games over 20 in that range as well. Travis Etienne, 6,400. That's another spot that we are waiting on news. Any interest in this price range for cash games? Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is interesting. I just think he's probably going to project a little bit worse than, let's say, Kenneth Walker if we're comparing those two. Just because Kenneth Walker doesn't have an A.J. Dillon behind him that's going to take, you know, 9 to 13 touches every single week and touches in the passing game. Although Kenneth Walker has been super inefficient over his last two starts, you know, averaging less than two yards per carry, hasn't gone over 26 rushing yards. Um, The man in games that he started on U.S. soil, he scored a touchdown. Hmm. That's interesting. So... This game is is uh, being played in the United States of America. Yeah, it, it is. Okay. So, all right, that's pretty. Solid. Kenneth Walker, seven K, I think is going to project a little bit better than Aaron Jones, but Jones is still a very good play, especially with Rodgers being banged up. Maybe they go a little bit more run heavy 
matchup is very enticing, obviously. Just don't know how owned he's going to be. Aaron Jones is never a guy that gets owned in cash just because of A.J. Dillon behind him and, you know, just the threat of some work getting taken away from him definitely gets played into the projection. So I think for, you know, potentially your RB2 or your RB3, if you run three running backs this week, you're probably looking a little bit down the player pool, probably 62 or below. And some players that I think are interesting are David Montgomery with Khalil Herbert still on IR. Justin Fields banged up. Good spot for the Bears run game against a Packers team that just gave up over 300 rushing yards to the Eagles. Not a sexy play, but he's going to project well, uh, I would assume. Damian Pierce at 5,900 looks okay against Cleveland, one of the best matchups on the board. Then if you go a little bit lower, there's just a ton of injury situations that could potentially open up. Um, Jalen Warren is expected to play. We'll have to wait and see on Najee Harris' status and whether or not he's going to be out due to the abdominal injury that he suffered on Monday Night Football. If he's out, I think Jalen Warren is okay at 4,900. I think they'll still mix in Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland, but I, I, I definitely still wouldn't consider, would consider Warren. I think he'd have uh, some prime opportunity there. If both of them miss, I mean, Snell and McFarland are going to get talked about. I think people would probably play Benny Snell. I would be out on that. Um, Travis Etienne, we'll have to see if he plays. Maybe that opens up to Michael Hasty or Daryl Henderson. And then we have Michael Carter, who suffered an ankle injury. If he's out this week, I would expect Zonovan Knight to be pretty chalky at 4,600. Um, so just a ton of potential cheap running backs that could come into play, but we just don't have that information right now to make concrete decisions. Definitely. I mean, you named all the guys that I think could potentially open up, but we'll have to just recircle around to this on Saturday once things become more clear. I would also throw Kieran Williams into that mix. Really good matchup against Seattle. Obviously very tough to trust any player on the Los Angeles Rams right now in in terms of, you know, the state of that team, but you know, pretty good role, out-snapped Cam Akers last week, outproduced Cam Akers last week, 11 attempts, three targets. Decent Uh, spot for Kieran Williams here at 5,200, but most likely would go to one of the other players that you mentioned. I think the workloads would be better if the injuries break in the right way. All right, so at wide receiver this week, if we're paying up for a running back spot, we're going to need to save at least a little bit at wide receiver. And luckily for us, the mid-range is absolutely loaded. There there are like seven wide receivers priced between 5,900 and 6,500. I think you could make a fairly decent case for literally all of them to be played in cash games. Mike Williams, 5,900 is ridiculously cheap. If he comes back healthy in a matchup against the Raiders, Tyler Lockett gets a price drop this This week, 6K is way too cheap for him. Incredible floor on Tyler Lockett this season. Ayuk and Devontae Smith are both in very good spots, 6.1 and 6.2 respectively. Christian Kirk, 6,300 is probably the best play of the the bunch, in my opinion, against Detroit. Amari Cooper, 6'4 with Watson back. Keenan Allen, 6'5, fully healthy, ran a route on 94% of Justin Herbert's drop backs last week how are you looking at this tier of players for cash and, and differentiating between this tier yeah I think that this tier is definitely going to be popular I think Christian Kirk and Tyler Lockett are the two best plays uh, just for price game environment for Christian Kirk and Tyler Lockett obviously uh, has just been rock solid all year only two games with under 11 DK points and then if you take that a step further only three games with under 13 DraftKings points so he's been just rock solid all year touchdowns in four straight Christian Kirk his target role is very good 
Um, but in terms of like his touchdown upside, I think it's very inconsistent. He has seven touchdowns on the year. Four of those have came in two games. So he's a little bit inconsistent on that front, but the target should be there. The matchup is obviously very spectacular, and I think he's one of the best plays. And then if I had to say a third, I think it's Keenan Allen for sure. 6,500, working his way back from injury, good game environment, second best game on the slate, third best game on the slate, I should say. Uh, just behind the Chiefs Bengals and the Lions Jags. He's still uh, relatively underpriced for his upside, in my opinion. And then if we uh, factor in Mike Williams potentially missing this game, I think that would boost Keenan Allen's projection even more. So we'll have to wait and see on whether or not Mike Will can get in there, but those would be my top three uh, cash game plays personally. And then personally, Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk are not in cash game consideration for me. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely fair. I think that they are really great tournament options, but probably it's here below the guys that we've been talking about in terms of safety for cash. Also, just a note with Christian Kirk, we obviously know that the Lions defense is abysmal, but they're even worse uh, against slot wide receivers, which is Christian, which is where Christian Kirk does predominantly play. So I think that even sets up especially well for him in this matchup. Garrett Wilson is going to be one of the most popular plays on the slate once again, in my opinion. Got bumped a thousand dollars, priced at fifty three hundred, but still very possibly one of the best values on the slate. Still underpriced for his current role. Minnesota secondary is absolute buns. And Garrett Wilson averages 20.5 DraftKings points per game in the four games played with a non-Zach Wilson quarterback throwing him the ball. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Wilson is a very good play this week. It's one of the best spots on the slate uh, going up against this Vikings pass defense has given up the most passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. And we just saw what Mac Jones, <laughs> what Mac Jones and Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Henry did to them on Thanksgiving. So Definitely a good spot for Garrett Wilson, one of the more talented rookies in the NFL. The alpha on this Jets offense, going to see a ton of opportunity with potentially no no upside in the run game. You know, Zonovan Knight, yeah, whatever. Michael Carter, okay, yeah, whatever. This should be a spot where the Jets come out and let Mike White rip it again. Or at least that's how I think they should play this game. But it is the Jets, so we always have to take that into consideration. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's probably why I don't think I would love Zonovan Knight, even if Michael Carter was out. But Garrett Wilson is just so goddamn good, man. He He's so good. I was scared off of him because of, of weather and just general game environment. But I think after seeing the connection that he had with Mike White, this game is going to be in a dome matchups even better uh vikings are at home at, at 1 p.m so shouldn't be any Kirk Cousins struggles there i mean it just sets up really well i think for garrett wilson this week i think i would be very willing to jump on him at 5300 and then in terms of values sub 5k i think zay jones and dpj are both interesting at 4900 i mean zay feels extremely chasey obviously coming off of what i would imagine to be his best nfl career game up to this point but still 24 targets over his last two games he's in forward field good price tag and i could definitely see him staying hot here and then you know dpj has been a pretty consistent player for the past month or so and gets to sean watson here so yeah i don't i don't mind dpj i mean a little bit expensive we'll have to see like the pass rate that's kind of what i want to see out of this game obviously you don't pay a quarterback 250 mil guaranteed if you're not going to go out there and just let them rip it right but i, I could see this first game back from two years of not playing the Browns be a team how they've played over this entire season you know run heavy feed Nick Chubb 
let Deshaun Watson go out there, get acclimated again, knock the rust off. Uh, so I don't really love DPJ this week. And outside of Garrett Wilson, there's not many wide receivers that I love under, you know, like 5K this week. There's not much value that I'm seeing. Traylon Burks is interesting at 46, um, and he's been making a ton of plays since coming off of IR. I think that's okay. Obviously a tough matchup, but other than that, there there's literally nothing. Yeah, last two weeks, Traylon Burks running around on 70% of Ryan Tannehill dropbacks over a 20% target share. Definitely interesting. Obviously, luck boxed into the recovery touchdown last week, but still was pretty decent even without that. Traylon Burks, interesting. Prefer Garrett Wilson this week for a little bit more. And then, you know, we started in the mid-range, didn't really get into the more expensive wide receivers. Definitely, you know, 7K and above, some really interesting options. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, 7,100, going to be a phenomenal play as he is every single week. T. Higgins, your boy. I mean, you're probably the biggest T. Higgins fan I know. 7,200. Hey. Phenomenal hey, spot. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. First of all, relax. Second of all, I've only been on him two weeks recently. Last week and the week before. And guess what? What? He won somebody a million dollars two weeks ago. And he was in the lineup that finished second in the Millionaire Maker this week. Top three wide receiver on the slate. Was my favorite GPP play again. So that's two weeks in a row of having a player that you needed to win tournaments. Shout out to me. Mm. Put some respect on my name. Mm. I, I, was, I was just saying you're a big T. Higgins guy. I, I had a no hey, connotation. Hey, if he's that. going for 25, he's a good player. He's an alpha. Well, period. Jamar Chase. He's underpriced. Jamar Chase back in this spot. Do you look at T as as cash viable at 7,200 with Jamar Chase back? Or would this be more of a tournament type of play this week? It definitely hurts. But then again, T Higgins performs just as well with Jamar Chase in the lineup as he does with without him yeah because t higgins is an alpha as well obviously jamar chase is better and he just provides a different element element to that offense um but i think you could definitely go to t higgins in cash i don't know if he will foot the bill though especially when amon ra is going to project better 100 percent. i do prefer amon ra over t higgins uh for 100 less so i don't think you'll be able to fit him this week but i do think he's a very good play and he should have ownership as should everybody in this game to be honest yep totally agree with that jefferson adams chase i think they're probably just strictly tournament plays i don't think that we're going any higher than asb the sun god in cash no nah, i mean it's just looking like a slate where we just don't have the value too i mean we we had a good value slate last week at pretty much every position. Now it's kind of back to being somewhat tight once again. Like I said, no wide receivers that really look good under 5K. No running back value this week, at, at least on Wednesday when we're recording. So yeah, you, you can't pay up at wide receiver and running back in the same lineup. And I think uh, paying up to like the one running back is probably going to be optimal. Yep, and, and I'm very comfortable with, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown is the most expensive wide receiver in my cash lineup. You know, he's just a shoe-in for 10-plus targets week in and week out. At the tight end position, you know, disgusting as always, no shocker there. I mean, I think that we're pretty much just looking at the usual suspects, like the same guys that we play every single week. Hayden Hurst, 3,500. His target share really doesn't change at all when, when Jamar Chase is in or out. Like, the splits are almost identical, so wouldn't have any concerns with going right back to Hayden Hurst in a elite game environment. Foster Moreau as well, 3,600 looks pretty good. I mean, those are the two guys that stand out to me on this slate for cash games. I don't know if there's anybody, you know, bottom of the barrel that you would be interested in. Maybe we talk ourselves into Harrison Bryant if the David Njoku in 
injury is serious. I, I don't know anything about that at the moment, but what are you thinking at tight end this week? Yeah, I mean, definitely depends on Najoku, on Najoku's status. Thirty because he's thirty nine hundred and he did not practice today due to a new knee injury. So it's early in the week. We don't have that information. But if Najoku were to miss, yeah, I'm locking Harrison Bryant in at twenty seven hundred. No questions asked, especially with Deshaun Watson. But if Najoku is able to go, I think Hayden Hurst once again is the play at thirty five hundred. Uh, target share has been solid. Obviously, Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon are coming back, so that does hurt. But I still think that you want pieces of this game. Hayden Hurst is a cheap piece. He'll fit the build. Uh, so definitely think he's the priority at the bottom. But Mark Andrews and Kelsey are both going to project very well. And I, I think that they're both going to have ownership once again this week. I mean, smash bot for Kelsey. Highest total game. Number one uh, option on the Chiefs. I mean, he he's going to go nuke. For sure. Dude's averaging then Mar- six more fantasy points than the next closest tight end. Literally unreal. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Mark Andrews. I mean, if he learns how to catch, um, <laughs> you know, he he's right up there with Kelsey and he's thirteen hundred cheaper. So Mark Andrews is probably gonna project better than Kelsey from a value perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think personally I would find the money to get up to Kelsey this week. I was right there with you that I think that, you know, dollar for dollar Andrews was the play last week but when we look at the game environment here it's just not even close that I I think Kelsey would be worth getting up to in tournaments obviously we're not playing either of these guys in cash this week but yeah I mean Cincinnati KC or Baltimore Denver I mean that choice makes itself yeah for sure but you know when comparing Kelsey to like some of the wide receivers that are probably that he would be priced around like Kelsey's a better play oh without a doubt without a doubt I mean Wide receiver-wise, there are only five players that are averaging more fantasy points per game this uh, this season. Yeah. All right, tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Leverage-wise, I mean, same story as every week. And it's pretty much just the best way to get leverage, I think, is by flipping the, the build. DFS is at a point right now, I think, where there's so much groupthink and so much similarity in projections across the industry that there becomes a very popular lineup construction every single week. And just by exposing yourself to something different, you have a lot of leverage on the field. So this week, you know, if people are going to be prioritizing paying up for one expensive running back and going mid range at wide receiver, you know, you maybe play a couple value running back or a couple value wide receivers and pay up for two expensive running backs or, you know, fade the expensive of running backs entirely play in the mid-range and then get up to a couple of high-priced wide receivers or you know stack Jamar Chase and Travis Kelsey and find value throughout the lineup I mean week in and week out this is one of the best ways to get leverage I think yeah absolutely for sure I mean lineup construction is just one of the simplest but yet most effective edges you can have in DFS especially in tournaments and understanding how to build lineups for different contests and understanding what your opponents are doing and just a lot of people don't think through that thoroughly and I'll admit sometimes I don't either and then I just question what the fuck I'm doing after but if you know if you take the time and you sit down and you think about things and think about ways to differentiate your lineups I mean 100% agree with everything that you said um and yeah I mean lineup construction overall is probably one of the the biggest edges left in, in DFS 
So couldn't agree more. I mean, we'll get into more specific leverage spots once ownership becomes more solid later in the week. We'll talk about that on Saturday. In terms of stacks, I kind of mentioned it when we talked about, you know, the Vegas lines and, and how I think that this 49ers Miami game is a little bit under the radar. I mean, we haven't talked about realistically any player from this game. So I kind of think that in general, this is going to go under owned. And I think there's a pretty massive ceiling, obviously, with the two a double stack or even on a week like this with such high totals across the board, you could stack it single with Tua and, you know, Brandon Ayuk, we mentioned, is a good play, probably not in cash consideration, but definitely a strong tournament play playing the more traditional wide receiver one role in that offense. Debo Samuel, who was an 8K player at one point down to 6,600 with Elijah Mitchell expected to miss some time. I think that, you know, he could be utilized in a dual role for sure this week. I think that this stack and game stack in general goes completely under the radar and, you know, realistically has one of the higher ceilings on the slate just when you look at, you know, the skill position players in this game. So much talent, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, McCaffrey, Debo, Brandon Ayuk. There's there's a lot of upside in this stack at what I'm expecting to be really low ownership. Bro, I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't even see that Debo sixty six hundred. Yeah, it's it's nutty, right? <laughs> I did not even see that. Yeah, I mean, Debo at like his projected ownership. I don't know what it is or what it would be, but at sixty six hundred, I mean, I'll, I'll just say like that's probably my tournament long shot. Yeah, I, depending I, on ownership. I love Debo this week, and I mean, yeah, no, I, I think that you're spot on that this is the game that is going to be super contrarian but may have like the highest ceiling on the entire slate and just so many players that could potentially speed up the game when you take into account both teams are dealing with injuries at the running back position with Raheem Mostert being hurt for the Dolphins and then Elijah Mitchell's out for the 49ers for the rest of the season Christian McCaffrey is dealing with a knee injury and then you know maybe they might have to roll with like Tevin Coleman TDP or Jordan Mason as you know some rotational pieces like what if this game just becomes a very pass centric game with a lot of players that have the ability to break off big plays and speed up the game yeah and and two coaches extremely creative coaches that know each other very well you know Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins was Shanahan's understudy like you know he probably wants to go in there and show his old coach up you know a little friendly competition there show him something creative uh I don't know, man. I think I love this and, game. I love this game. And from a theory perspective, this game is being played at four o'clock, as well as the Bengals Chiefs game, mm-hmm. as well as the Chargers Raiders game. So we didn't even talk about this slate just from an overall theory perspective. When we have three of the best games on the slate in the late window, this is definitely a prime opportunity to be using late swap to your advantage, right? Early chalk pieces, if they miss, you get onto this contract game stack you know if you go contrarian early and those pieces hit you could chalk your lineup up with some of the you know players let's say from Kansas City Bengals game so just from a theory perspective with all these games in play with all these high total games and these players that are going to be very owned in the late window sets up a very good uh opportunity to to you know late swap and potentially uh get on the winning lineup so definitely it looks like a very good slate no for sure and especially with like the later chalk pieces most likely being high priced guys you'll probably have a decent a bit of like swappability just built in off remaining salary like 
Austin Eckler and potentially Josh Jacobs, you know, both in that 8K range, very expensive, and you could definitely do some things with that. So couldn't agree more. Very interesting slate from that perspective, especially with this, you know, diamond in the rough game, just sort of chilling with a lot of opportunity to get looked over. Love that. Uh, Love that for sure. Long shots, Joey. I mean, what are you thinking this week? I mean, Debo looks so, so good. Jalen Waddle looks very, very good as well. So those would be my two favorite as a, as a little mini stack right there. Jalen Waddle, Debo Samuel. I think to win a tournament, you definitely need a piece of that game for sure. My super long shot would be David Bell for the Browns, mm. 3,300. His role has increased over the last three weeks of the season. He's had three straight games with five plus targets. That's with Jacoby Brissett, a rookie wide receiver. You know, those players generally start to improve as the season goes on. And Deshaun Watson is coming back. Deshaun Watson is coming back. And at 3,300, if he gets you 15 as a, you know, long shot, like he's optimal. All it will take is, you know, four, five catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. And he's there at 3,300. And he's gone four for 23, four for 22, three for 24 over his last three games. Uh, So hasn't gone over 6.3 points. But, you know, you throw a touchdown in there, he's at like 13 DK points. Upside for more, David Bell, 3,300. Yeah, I mean, I... Like that quite a bit. He's been on over 50% of the snaps in every game since week six, over 60% in the last two, getting worked in more. Hasn't really garnered the same attention as the other, you know, rookie wide receivers that are being more productive Watson, Wilson, Pickens, etc. But like, this is as we continually talk about the time of year where rookie wide receivers begin to emerge. Would it shock you if David Bell started to flash? Like, we like DPJ a little bit, but he is ultimately just a guy. Like, definitely see it, especially with the Watson stuff. I like that call a lot. Debo, I mean, we can just call that our group long shot. I absolutely love Debo as well. I don't know how long of a shot this is, but I kind of think because of the pricing, 5,300 Garrett Wilson being the same price that Tyler Boyd could get looked over. Jamar Chase is going to be back. He'll draw some ownership. T Higgins has been running hot as the sun lately, as we've talked about. So Boyd, I think, could get lost in the shuffle a little bit. He has had ceiling games, and I think that if you end up getting him as a contrarian piece to burrow doubles or just correlated piece in that game in general at low ownership, that he is you know, really interesting at 5,300 this week. Yeah, and Tyler Boyd actually scores more fantasy points with Jamar Chase in the lineup. That totally makes sense to me, right? Like, obviously, you know, coverage shading to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Like, how can you cover mm-hmm. all three guys? That that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So he, he I think, I don't have the exact uh, number in front of me. I, I saw it on Twitter. I think he averages like four or five more fantasy points a game with Jamar Chase in the lineup. So with Chase coming back, Definitely helps, you know, open up Tyler Boyd a little bit. 5,300. I mean, he does have 25-plus point upside. Is it far and few between? Absolutely. Um, am I playing Tyler Boyd? Probably not, just because I never play Tyler Boyd. But he he is a player that can hit a ceiling. And on a slate where there's not many viable options, you know, in this low cheap end, I mean, 5,300 isn't cheap, but it's cheaper relative to the rest of the wide receiver pool. I mean, he's definitely a good tournament play for sure. I mean, upside of six, seven targets, all we'll take is, you know, maybe a touchdown or two and he's there, but yeah, I'm not playing him. So I'm a Tyler Boyd hater though. So yeah, I'm kind of biased. Always have been, always have been, always will be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Anybody else that you want to shout out for tournaments before we close things out here? Nah, I mean, uh, 
think we covered pretty much everything. Aaron Donald just got ruled out. First game ever that he's missing due to injury. Maybe it's a Kenneth Walker bounce back smash bot 7K, but he's going to be chalky in my opinion. I mean, definitely, definitely could be. Stafford's also out this game. Could be just a a Seahawks, you know, dog walk the Rams situation. Like there, there's like five players out for the Rams that are making like more than uh, fifteen million a year this this week. So and and uh, did you see that CMC didn't practice today? That's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, it might it would steam the shit out of Debo. I think if he missed, but God, yeah, God, L- let's go Debo. Let's go Debo. It's Debo week. All right. That is going to be it for episode 270 of the DFS Dose podcast. This is a very important week to make sure you tune into the Saturday night, late night live stream. I imagine that we will be having a very different perspective on things when that rolls around. I I foresee a lot of these injuries shifting the context of the slate. So make sure you tune in 10 p.m. Eastern every Saturday on the Dose Media Network YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at DosMediaNet as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via our free Discord channel. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes. Vibes.